Again, please turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel according to John. And as we do, we're going to dismiss our children to Children's Church. Our preschoolers and kindergartners can go now. Well, I am excited um, as we enter this Advent season to be starting a new sermon series on the book of John. I will warn you at the outset that we're going to be moving a little bit slower than we will in the opening chapters. Otherwise, we may still be in John when the second Advent occurs and Jesus comes again. I promise you we'll do more than three verses at a time, but we're going to launch out going through the opening prologue of John's gospel uh, slowly, verse by verse, so that we can all see together and celebrate the goodness of the word made flesh. This is God's word. I'm going to focus primarily on the first three verses of John chapter 1, but I'll read verses 1 through 5. This is God's word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is God's word. Let's go to him in prayer. O Lord our God, we thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. We thank you for this Advent season. And we pray, Lord, that you would prepare our hearts to celebrate with all of our might the glorious arrival of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that you would speak by your word. And we pray that we would have ears to hear what you are saying to us by the power of your spirit. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning marks the beginning of our Advent season. The word Advent comes from a Latin word, Adventus, which means arrival. And so for the next four weeks leading up to Christmas on Sunday, Christmas Sunday, we're going to celebrate the arrival of our Lord Jesus Christ. We will light Advent candles and we'll do Advent readings and we will sing Advent songs and scriptures all in preparation for Christmas Day when we celebrate the arrival of a man that John called the Word. Verse 1, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. At a time of year where many of us make Jesus a mere footnote in a holiday season that's filled with Christmas trees and Christmas presents and Christmas cookies and Christmas cards, Jack Frost nipping at our noses and Jeff Bezos nipping at our bank accounts, John wastes no, point, no time at all in pointing us to the deep and abiding significance of a man that he knew as his Lord and Savior, his best friend, Jesus of Nazareth. The good shepherd, the true vine, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, and the life, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So who is he? Who was he? Who is Jesus? Why did he come and why? Does it matter? 
These are huge questions. Life and death questions. Guilt, grace, and gratitude questions. Questions that shape our understanding of who we are and why we're here. Is is God supposed to serve me and my agenda? Or am I supposed to serve God and follow his agenda? If God is up there in heaven and I'm down here, here on earth, will God help me when I'm in trouble? Can I trust him? Will he forgive me when I sin? Will he heal me when I'm sick? Is there more than this world has to offer? Is there more than Black Friday and Cyber Monday and all the shopping days between now and Christmas Day? Who is this man who healed the sick and raised the dead? Who is this man who loved his enemies? Who is this man who changed the world? What does it mean to follow him? What does it mean to believe in him? Where do we begin? Where does John begin? As we approach the Christmas story, most of us are expecting shepherds and angels, Mary and Joseph, Elizabeth and Zechariah, wise men from the east and unwise innkeepers from the west. But John takes us back even further. To understand who Jesus is, we have to go back, all the way back to the beginning. All the way back to the time before time. All the way back to the foundations of the earth. In these three amazing verses, John is going to show us five things about who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do. Now, if you're taking notes this morning, here's our outline. Here are five words that help us understand the Christmas story according to John. Jesus' best friend, one of the twelve apostles, the apostle whom Jesus loved. The first word is eternity. The Christmas story points us to eternity. The second is connectivity. The Christmas story is about connections, connectivity. The third word is community. The fourth word is divinity. And the fifth word is creativity. The nativity is about eternity. In the beginning was connectivity, the word. Community, the word was with God. Divinity, the word was God. And creativity, all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Now that's just the beginning. <laughs> We're just getting started. Wait until we get to verse 14. The Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. I love Christmas. This is an amazing story, and our God is an amazing God. Are you ready? Let's take a closer look at the Advent story, the Christmas story, according to Jesus' best friend, the Apostle John. Our first word is eternity. 
The nativity is about eternity. Verse 1, in the beginning. Now we're exactly three words into the prologue and John already blows our mind. It's amazing. He's, here's what I mean. By evoking, invoking this little phrase, in the beginning, John is taking us all the way back to the very first verse in the whole Bible. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John's saying that before the very first Christmas, before Mary and Joseph, before the shepherds and the angels, before Herod and the wise men, before Simeon and Anna, before Zechariah and Elizabeth, before David, before Moses, before Abraham, before Adam and Eve, there was Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, the eternal word of God. To quote the great church father, Athanasius, who is known by his friends as the noble champion of Christ and his enemies as the black dwarf. There never was a time when Jesus was not. Let's go deeper. If the very first three words in the beginning show us the eternity of God, so does the fourth word, which is was. In the beginning, was. Now, when John wrote that word, was, he chose an imperfect form of the verb, a verb that carries a sense of repetition or something that is an ongoing action. Kent Hughes, one of the reader, uh, writers, commentators that I read this week, suggests that you could translate this, Jesus always was wasing. If they ever do a southern translation of the Bible, here's what it's going to say. John 1, 1, in the beginning, always was wasing the word, and the word always was wasing with God, and the word always was wasing God. Now just think about the implications of, of this. If Jesus was always there, if he always was wasing, then we know that he will always be there. He always will be being. This means that Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. This means that we can trust him. We can count on him. We can anchor our lives on Jesus, who is the rock of our existence, the rock of our hope, the rock of our joy, the rock of our salvation. His love never fails. He is our fortress. He is our deliverer. He is the ancient of days. We live in a world where people regularly let us down. I think that's especially true during the Christmas season. We, we trust in people. We hope in people. They fail us. John is telling us Jesus will never let us down. Jesus was always there. Jesus always will be there. We can count on him. We can trust him. But there's an even bigger implication than that. Since Jesus has 
eternal life. He has the ability to give eternal life to everyone who believes. You can't give a gift that you don't have. I can't give you the gift of eternal life because it's not mine to give. I don't possess eternal life, and so therefore, I don't have the ability to give it to you. Jesus has eternal life, and so he can give eternal life to everyone who believes. In a few months, we're going to get to John 3.16. One of the most famous verses in the whole Bible in which John tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but will have eternal life. Do you see this? Jesus has eternal life, and so he can give eternal life to everyone who believes, including you. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what sins that you have committed, you can have the gift of eternal life if you believe in Jesus, who was and is and forever will be. I can't give it to you. Your parents can't give it to you. Your kids can't give it to you. Your children or grandchildren, money, power, Uh, romance won't give you eternal life becoming a millionaire won't give you eternal life writing a book won't give you eternal life only jesus can give you eternal life if you believe in the beginning was the word and we're only getting started let's keep going our second word is connectivity Verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, why would John, who was Jesus' best friend, call Jesus the Word? What does he mean? What is he saying? Now, you probably noticed that John calls him the Word three times in the very first verse, and so it's clearly something that's very important that John is trying to communicate with us. Here's what John is saying. In the first century, when this gospel was written, philosophers spent a lot of time thinking and writing about the meaning of life. The Stoics had one view about the meaning of life, and the uh, Epicureans had another view of the meaning of life, and the Aristotelians were always arguing with the Platonists about the meaning of life, but they all agreed that there is a meaning to life. There is an eternal principle, an eternal idea that connects all things in the universe together through that one central idea, a principle, a notion that gives logic or logos to the world as it is. There's something that connects the one and the many. There's something that brings harmony and oneness to our fragmented world. That notion still exists in modern philosophy. We call it the theory of everything. They called it the logos, or in English, the word. And so when John says, in the beginning was the logos, 
and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. He's saying that idea, that concept that you're looking for to make sense of the world, it isn't an abstract philosophical principle. It's not, it's not something that you discover. It's someone who discovers you. The Logos is a person, a divine person named Jesus. The Logos can be known. The Logos can be loved. The Logos can be worshipped. The Logos was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for the Lagos in the inn. Amazing. Jesus, the word, turns ugliness into beauty and confusion into understanding. Jesus, the word, turns sinners into saints and orphans into children. In Colossians 1.17, the apostle Paul writes, and he is before all things and in him all things hold together do you ever feel fragmented do you ever feel sort of uh, discombobulated <laughs> I do especially in the Christmas season just keeping my calendar uh, drives me crazy because I'm trying to remember well where am I supposed to go and where am I supposed to be and what am I supposed to say when I get there anything something profound I don't know I guess we'll find out does it ever feel like the world just as it is doesn't make sense you ever wonder who am I and why am I here and what is what is life all about here's John's answer the word logos Jesus Without Jesus, nothing makes sense. With Jesus, everything makes sense. Jesus is the word, the logos, the theory of everything. Without him, there is chaos. Without him, there is randomness and seemingly chance and nothing else matters. With him, there's order. With him, there's meaning and purpose. With him, everything matters because with him, everyone matters, including you. Jesus is the word, and he has plans for us. Jesus, the word, came to give us a future and a hope. Every day matters. Every person matters. You matter because Jesus is the word. And the, t and the nativity is about connectivity. The third word is community. Community. The nativity is about community. Verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. That little phrase that we translate, with God, prostantheon, literally means towards God, or face to face with God. Before Jesus became a human being, before the very first Christmas, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was face-to-face -face with God the Father and God the, Son, God the Spirit forever and ever. 
before God created a human community on earth, God existed as a divine community in heaven. That's why at Christmas time, we feel such a, a deep desire to connect with God and other people while simultaneously feeling such a pr profound inability to connect with God and other people. Here's what I mean. A at Christmas time, we want to be together with the people that we love. We all imagine a, a celebration of Christmas where mom and dad are there and grandma and grandpa are there and our closest friends are there and family members. Everyone's together to celebrate the birth of Jesus the king we want everything to be perfect no fighting no arguing nobody missing we want the joy of heaven on earth but we often experience something very different we often experience the reality of brokenness the reality of living in a world where things are not so perfect we get the whole family together minus mom and dad who couldn't come to Florida this year. Minus one of the kids who now has a, a family of her own. Minus a close friend who went to heaven this year. And we won't be celebrating Christmas with him or her again. We get arguments and misunderstandings and debates and disagreements and old wounds from childhood that have never fully healed. Many of us struggle to connect with God during the Christmas season. Yeah, we read the Christmas story and we, we sing the Christmas carols and we pray the Christmas prayers and we may even be called upon to light the Christmas candles. But for many of us, we seem to be just going through the motions, uh, doing things that we should be doing with deep reverence, more out of a sense of obligation and tradition than anything else. Why? Why do we struggle to connect with God and other people? Well, here's the problem. Sin. Sin breaks the connection. Sin destroys and distorts life together. We were made to have a face-to-face -face relationship with God. It's in the Bible, Genesis chapter 2. Adam and Eve were created in God's image, and they walked with God in the cool of the day. They had a face-to-face -face relationship with Him. They were created as image bearers to become part of the divine community. But when they sinned, they turned their backs on God. They hid from God. They hid from one another. They created fig leaves to cover themselves. They went away to the darkest, deepest part of the garden where they thought, maybe God can't see us here. We do the same thing when we sin. We can't let God see us for how we really are. And so we, we clothe ourselves in fig leaves of, of pious uh, holiness and duty. And we give the best impression that we can have to other people so that, that God won't see us for who we really are. We keep other people at, at an arm's distance. We either totally cut ourselves off from other people and isolate ourselves during the whole Advent and Christmas season, or we do allow people to see us, but we create a, a carefully curated version of who we are. 
Instagram me, complete with all the photoshopping and filters so that you won't see me for who I really am. We need to turn around. We need to see God face to face so that we'll be able to see one another face to face. But we can't turn around because God is too holy and we're too sinful. In the book of Exodus, we're told that Moses earnestly desired to see God face to face, but God told him, you cannot see my face and live. I'm too holy and you're too sinful. The only way for you to see me is if I hide you in the rock. The only way for you to see me is for me to provide a substitute for you. The only way for you to see me is for me to turn my back on my son, Jesus Christ. That's the only way for God to pay the debt that we owe. So how did God do it? Well, Jesus, who lived every moment of his entire eternity face-to-face with God, theon, before the face of the one who he loved more than anyone in the world, who loved him more than anyone in the world, went to the cross. And on the cross, the Father turned his face away. That's why Jesus cried out in dereliction from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was seeing something that he had never seen before. The horror of seeing God not face to face, but face to back. As the Father poured out on him the judgment that should have fallen upon us Jesus became an exile and an outsider to restore us to community with God when we talk about Christmas that's what we're talking about when we see that little the face of that little baby in the manger and our hearts soar within us we are seeing the one who is the savior of sinners The one who restored what Adam and Eve broke in the Garden of Eden. The God who restores our community with him and with one another as we celebrate the community of the church. The nativity is about community. Our fourth word is divinity. The nativity is about divinity. Verse 1, the word was God. As we walk our way section by section through the book of John, we will see Jesus saying things that only God could say. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We'll hear Jesus say, I am the true vine and I am the door and I am the good shepherd and I and the Father are one. Before Abraham was, I am. We'll see Jesus doing things that only God could do. We'll see Jesus walking on water and healing the sick and raising the dead. We will see Jesus rise from the dead. Amazing. 
toward the end of John's gospel, he actually tells us why he wrote this. You may not know that John was actually the fourth gospel that was written. Mark was probably written first, then Matthew, then Luke, and then finally John. So with three other gospels in existence, why do we need a fourth gospel? Here's why. John 20. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and that by believing, you might have life in His name. In other words, the deity of Christ is a salvation issue. If we deny the deity of Jesus Christ, we have denied the gospel. Only a human being could die in the place of sinful human beings, but only a divine being could bear the wrath of God against sinners without being completely and utterly destroyed. And so, in this very first verse of John's Gospel, John tells us the Word was God. And because of that, we have hope. Because of that, we have joy. Because of that, we have forgiveness. We have power for living. We have courage for dying. If you want to know who God is, if you wonder, what is God like? Look to Jesus and you'll know. He is the merciful, gracious, loving God who came from heaven to earth to save his people from their sins. The gospel is such good news because God became one of us to save us. Our fifth word, last one, is creativity. The nativity is about creativity. Verse 3. Can you imagine we made it all the way to verse 3? Here we go. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. God is infinitely creative, and so it makes sense that we celebrate Christmas by using our creativity to celebrate him. This Advent season, we're going to be doing a lot of singing and decorating and crafting and cooking. Where does all that creativity come from? Well, it came from Jesus. Without him, nothing was made that was made. All things were made through him. Jesus is our creator. And so as his image bearers, it makes sense for us to be creative too. So decorate your house to the glory of God. And sing all the Christmas songs on your Spotify playlist to the glory of God. And make some woodblock nativity scenes with your kids to the glory of God. And bake some keto-friendly Christmas cookies for your pastor to the glory of God. All of our creativity, all the beauty that we create as image bearers point to the eternal word that all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made.
this Advent season, let's celebrate our Creator by using our creativity to honor and glorify Him. Jesus is the Word of God. And when God speaks, His last word is always grace for everyone who believes. Wherever you are in your journey this nativity season, whether you are close to God and you feel close to God, or whether you feel like you're a thousand miles away, remember the great distance that God traveled going from heaven to earth. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us as our great and majestic Savior. I pray that you will encounter Jesus during this Advent season. His first arrival, his first advent, was relatively uh, minor. <laughs> he appeared in a, a tiny town in Bethlehem with some shepherds and angels and Mary and Joseph. His second advent will be known worldwide. For when he comes again, our hope, our great confidence, is that he will make all things new. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Let's go to Him now in prayer. Heavenly Father, I am and we are absolutely blown away at the story of the Word made flesh. We thank you, Jesus that you left your home in heaven, that you set aside your, your prerogatives as the King of kings and the Lord of lords to be born in a tiny, tumble-down stable in, in a city of no importance so that you might bring us into the glorious kingdom of God. We, we, can't, we can't fathom it, Lord God, and yet we believe I pray, Lord, for all those who are hearing my voice who are struggling to believe that you would give them the gift of faith, that they might see the light of the world and that by him they might see everything else. Hear our prayer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.